Hey everyone, welcome to the tribe. For today, I would like to talk about martial arts and why I think a lot of women would benefit from being able to defend themselves. Today I'm with Kylie. I think Kylie is a very special person because she's done quite a lot in, in her life, I, I think. She's written her book, Woman Lover. Lover. Mother Lover, Woman Warrior. Mother Lover, Woman Warrior. <laughs> She uh, has her fourth dam in, nearly her fourth dam, right? Yeah, third dam. In uh, Kyukshin, mm -hmm. karate. And let me just clarify what that means. So you have the black belt and the dam is added. So if you're about to get the fourth dam, it means you're really good at what you do. Uh, she has done Muay Thai. She does some jujitsu here and there. She has her own dojo. Uh, has three kids, and uh, yeah, I would like to introduce her for uh, so that women feel more inclined to maybe get onto uh, martial arts themselves. The floor is yours. The floor is mine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You said everything about me already. Well, tell me about how you started. I mean, I always think that it's not about what you know, but it's how you got there. Like, how <laughs> how did you start as a, as a person in martial arts? Oh, just in general. I tried, uh, as I was growing up, I tried um, calisthenics was the first sort of thing that I, or first regimented, organized activity that I did was, was calisthenics. Um, I didn't last very long in that um, for a myriad of reasons, but um, I, I did enjoy it um, when I first did it, but I don't think all the the makeup and all that kind of stuff was, was, was really me. Um and I guess I didn't really have the push from my family as well um, when I was younger. So I didn't really stick at that too much. I then moved on to jazz ballet. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, so I did some jazz ballet. Um, and then I was actually going to be signed up at this really uh, full-on dance um, studio at one point Yeah. To, do, to really focus on dancing. It was like really strict. It had a uniform, all this kind of stuff. I was really excited. Oh, the pink tutus? No, no, not pink tutus. Ah, no, okay, this was okay. like modern dance. And then it was a lot of money and my, my, my mother wasn't that well off at that point. So, um, But she, she she saved up the money and she was involved me in this expensive uh, dance studio. I did one class and I felt so intimidated. Um, and then she went on holidays to Queensland and it was my, my grandmother's job to take me but I had my grandmother twist around my little finger and I didn't want to go because I felt really intimidated. I felt insecure and all that kind of stuff. So I managed to, to not let her take me to those classes. And then when mum come back, I got in big trouble. Um, but I never, <laughs> I never got made to go to those classes again, um, which is probably a shame because I think if I had been pushed, I probably would have continued down that avenue, but I, I didn't really get the push. And what would have given you that if, if you had? I think it needed to come from my family. But it, let's say you uh, would have chased that. Like what it would have br it brought, brought it to you? Oh, look, I really don't know. It's easy to say. It's easy to speculate now what would have happened. But, um, you know, may maybe I would have pursued it further. Maybe I would have done something with it. Maybe I would have continued dancing. Yeah. Um, who knows? But that's that's not what happened. No, you do a different kind of dancing. Yeah, different kind One of One involves dancing. kicking and punching. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, so anyway, I didn't do anything again. I wasn't very physical. Um, I used to do a lot of cross-country running when I was at primary school, but when I got to high school, again, I was really insecure about my body. Um, I wasn't – I didn't consider myself as strong or sporty. 
um, and I kind of gave up everything. I didn't like wearing the, this PE uniform. Um, but yeah, I felt I just was insecure, really. And so, unfortunately, I dropped a lot of that PE. I wasn't active at all through high school uh, uh, until I signed up to jazz ballet again with my best friend at the time, Amy. Yeah. And we, we did some jazz ballet for like a year in year eight, I think. And um, that was kind of a bit more fun. I enjoyed that. We, were, we went together and I really enjoyed that. But then again, I dropped that as well. Why did I, you drop it? I don't, I don't even know why. I think it was just a, an issue for me to get there because I lived quite a long way away. Yeah. Um, getting there was an issue and I think my parents just didn't – well, my mum didn't drive, so it was all up to my dad. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, again, just part of the issue. Took a lot of effort. didn't get out, as much out of it as you wanted to maybe. Well, I probably did get as much out of it. But um, anyway, I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't cool in high school. I'm, I don't even know. But then I didn't do anything until I was uh, 19. Yeah. And I had my own license and so I could take myself and that I didn't rely on anyone else anymore. And it was kind of all up to me. And I I had the true story is, I could lie, but the true story, because it's in my book, is that... Uh, <laughs> Wish we were going to check. So I have to say the true story is that I broke up with my boyfriend um, after like a five-year relationship and I realized that I'd given everything up, my my friends, my activities. I wasn't doing anything. I had nothing outside of him, really. Yeah. Um, and so he used to do uh, Zendukai, and I thought, oh, I'm going to stick it up him. I'm going to go. Zendukai and... is martial arts. Yeah, it's a Bob Jones thing. It's a little bit Muay Thai, a little bit karate. It's a little yeah. bit of evil. Yeah. Um, it was very, very popular at one point. Yeah. It was the thing everybody did. They even had these little gold medallions. Um, called the, I think it was called the Bushido that they wore on their, their neck which they got awarded if they were black belt. There was a silver, gold, and a bronze one, I think. Anyway, it was very, very popular. He had done that, and I thought, I'm going to show him I'm going to go and do kickboxing. So I don't know why I thought so it So that's matter. the reason why you got into yep. martial arts for in the first place? Yep. Okay, interesting. Yep. So I <laughs> I signed up. And, well, I, I, I wanted to do kickboxing. Yeah. But the night that I went down to the dojo um, – which, again, was a long way away. It was a 45-minute drive from my house. But I looked through the yellow pages. You probably don't even know what that is. But, uh, I've seen it before. Yeah. I don't even know how to navigate it. but uh, So I scrolled, I scoured through that and found what looked like the best ad yeah. for the best dojo and uh, martial arts place, and I drove there. So it was over in Eltham, which is where I train now. Um, and it was called Alpha Martial Arts Academy. And so I went down there and they said you could have a gold pass and for a week you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. Uh, there they had kickboxing, Aikido, and Kyokushin Karate. Yeah. And my idea was to do the, the karate class, but they didn't have the timetable in the yellow pages then and I probably should have just phoned up, but I didn't. Yeah. I just drove yeah. there when I'm going this night, boom, got in my car and drove myself there. Yeah. And I was I sat in the car park for a while trying to urge myself to go in because <laughs> I was by myself. I was 19 year old. I was tiny. I probably weighed like 49 kilos. Yeah. And so I was very small. Going to a big martial art place. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. what to expect. Anyway, I made myself walk in and I walked in and I'm like, hi, I'm here to try the karate class. And they're like, oh, sorry, there's no karate on tonight. And I was just like, ah, <laughs> devastated. And so. At least you took the first step. I mean, that's something. No, well, no, they said there's, sorry, no, it was the other way around. Sorry. It's the other way around. Yeah, that's all right. Getting myself confused. That's all right. Um, I went to the kickboxing and they're like, there's no kickboxing on tonight. It's cut out there. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay, well, I'm here. So I'm just going to do that. Yeah. 
because I had taken all that courage to walk in the door. I wasn't about to go home. Fair enough. So I went into the karate class and um, thank goodness because I loved it. Yeah. And it just happened to be that the head instructor was down that night. He wasn't normally there um, every night, but this particular night he was there. And so from that first class, I fell in love with it. And I was all I wanted to do after that. What did you fall in love with it? What, what's what's the thing about karate that, that touches you so much? I don't even know, but I think it's a combination of a couple of things. And the first thing was I felt great after. Like I just felt I was on a high. Yeah. And I think that came from the physical exertion. It was all brand new. But the other two things, the big things I think were that it. I was always attracted to different cultures and different ways of of that they are that's shown through behaviors and stuff like that and the fact that there was the bowing and the different language and the respect and the hierarchy and all that kind of stuff i was really attracted to that um but also because it felt like this was something that i will be able to do it felt possible yeah i couldn't do it and there was just such a long road in front of me but it just the way that it was taught the structure the you know you stand in a line with the, the higher ranks at the front and you're down the back and you can see this progression yeah you know where and, to go and so you know that it doesn't matter and you're starting at the back but it doesn't matter and you can see this road ahead of you and you know you're going to be guided and you know you're going to be instructed and that i just knew that it was possible even yeah. though i couldn't do it now and so i was really excited and yeah and, you know, a big question I want to ask is what was it like for you to be able to defend yourself, be able to actually fight? Did it do anything for you in your life? Did you notice anything at all? I don't – it's not until probably much later that I that I was consciously aware of it. Yeah. But I think subconsciously – you know, this, this is going to sound like a stupid story, but it does, it does give you this – sense of perseverance you know in kyokushin we say also all the time which means to persevere yeah. under pressure um or to never give up it's it's that it comes from a longer phrase that means to never give up or perseverance under pressure yeah and so for me like when i had uh, my first child i remember being in labor and it, yeah. like i said it's going to sound ridiculous but i was just like no it's okay i've done an eight hour grading this is fine <laughs> I'm about here now. Yeah. And so in my head, I had this whole thing where I'm like likening the process to an arduous grading. Childbirth seemed okay. It seemed doable because I'd been through this long paper. I know it's not the same thing, but that's just I'm how no my mind works. I've that, but I, 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 I can see what you're saying. <laughs> even, even to the point where I remember once going for a, a, a bike ride. I'm a terrible bike rider and I don't do it. So I found yeah. it really difficult. I hadn't been doing karate for very long, maybe a year or so. Yeah. Um, and I remember going on this bike ride and it was challenging. It was getting to the point where I just wanted to stop and I just wanted to walk. And and so I started counting each knee, san, chi as I pedaled. Yeah. And honestly, that helped. It was just like, I just have to do one more. I just have to do one more. I yeah. just have to do one more. So the fact that it was given to you during karate is something you, you utilize throughout your life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, uh, that that not giving up, that spirit that it doesn't matter if you lose. Um, you know, there's a there's a saying, a famous Japanese proverb, which I have actually tattooed on my leg, which says seven times down, eight times up. And kind of I think that we embody that in, in martial arts. You know, it doesn't matter how many times you get kicked down or 
fall over or whatever as long as you get up one more time. Let's just go back to what you just said, the grueling eight-hour grading, mm -hmm. how terrible that was. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because people might skimp over it and not realize how hard that might be. All the gradings are hard. You know, even as a white belt, the first one's about four, four and a half hours. Um, constant training. Constant training. I mean, you have a break for a drink and whatever, but it's, yeah, it's constant training. You know, you go through all the basics, you walk up and down, you display your katas, you do everything, and the last part of it is the fighting, the kumite. Yeah. Um, you know, your first grading, there's six fights. Your next grading, there's eight, and then it's ten, and then... And then ten fights, no break in between, people just... One and a half minutes each round, and, yeah. So you just rotate around the whoever's at the grading. Yeah. Um, and so the gradings progressively get longer as you need to know more and you need to Makes be pushed sense. more. So by the time you do your your shorter <clears throat> shorter grading, your black belt grading, um, it's with our style anyway. Not all dojos are the same, but they're, they're, they're all difficult and they're all long gradings. Um, yeah, it's about an eight. My thing was closer to nine hours. You do get a break in those ones to have something to eat. But, yeah, um, I want you to fall over. I mean. Yeah, and then... The last grading is 40 rounds of uh, full contact sparring. 40 rounds of full contact sparring. Mm -hmm. So they're minute and a half rounds each. So uh, what's that, about 60 minutes, so an hour of And the next fighting. day, how did you feel the next day? I couldn't sit down on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, those, those gradings are really tough and they're, you know, we ask a lot of people during those. You have board breaking, um, as well as all the other stuff that you need to do, obviously all the physical stuff, all the basics. The kumite is the hard part though, but it's also the most fun part, you know, because you're absolutely wrecked. You know, you've probably been grading for seven hours already and then comes the kumite. And at the black belt grading, it's it's an honour and it's it sounds sadistic, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds sadistic to those that don't, that don't partake in it, but when you partake in it, it's honour. Um, it's all the black belts, all the freshies come in. So basically when it comes to the fighting, all the black belts come in that haven't been participating in the grading that day. They all line up. They're all got nice, beautiful, fresh, crisp, white, unsweaty geese and they make a line. And then you just get all the people who are grading just get lined up and the freshies come in. Yeah. And so you can imagine what that means. We're exhausted. They're fresh. Yeah. And they're just here to belt us um, because – they had to get belted, and so it's just the rite of passage, right? Yeah. And um, you know they hit you hard. They look after you too. Don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not them trying to hurt. Us. Well, no, they're trying to hurt us in the pushing us kind of way. Yeah, making you better instead of breaking you down. But I remember seeing like before. I, my ultimate wish is that more women get involved in martial arts or some kind of physical activity that challenges them and pushes them out of their comfort zone. Because there's there's gold there, right? But the fact that I mean, any, anything is great. In my book, I write about it about being passionate, finding purpose, but but being physically strong and capable. Um, because physical strong capabilities manifest in mentally strong and emotionally strong capabilities as well. Um, so I just I really want to encourage more women to do that to discover their strength. And um, if it's not martial arts, then that's okay. But benefit of martial arts above and beyond just physical training is that ability to defend themselves um, in a physical confrontational 
situation and I think that that's really important. I think it's important to give it to our young girls and it's important for women to have it as well. Um, so, yeah, just to, to get involved, to take control of their own own power, I guess. That's, that's my wish. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I continue to teach. And That's a very strong message. I like it. So uh, if anyone wants to find you online, mm -hmm. maybe buy your book or follow your page, where will they go to? Uh, on Facebook, motherloverwomanwarrior.com, and the same name for my webpage for the book. Your dojo. What was your dojo called again? Uh, Masubi Dojo, M-U-S-U-B-I, or we're also known as Altham Martial Arts Academy, E-L-T-H-A-M, not Alpha. It gets okay. confused a lot of the time. Thanks for having me on and best of luck with the podcast and the movement because I think it's a really cool movement. And I think the message is very clear. So for everybody uh, who is still listening, still here, uh, thank you. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yep. Continue. So I remember watching this grading before I'd graded and there was this young guy who was probably about 18 years old, fit, strong, yeah, really, really, what do you call it? proficient martial artist and he I remember watching him as he graded for his black belt and he got kicked and he just fell up against the wall and he basically slid down and then I watched the other black belt just grab him by the, the lapels oh my god pull him back up and just kick him again and I'm like oh so that was definitely in the back of my mind yeah as I was prepping for my black belt grading um and like I said it sounds awful and when I say he got kicked and he slid down the wall, you know, it didn't take much at that point. It wasn't like he was kicked so hard he fell over. It's just that you're tired and you're exhausted. And, yeah. And, yeah. But you know, would you say that being able to live through that, like things in life might seem a little bit easier or you just compare it to childbirth, which mm -hmm. is quite severe on its own. But the fact that you've lived through that made it, made life, made it life easier. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when life gets tough get tougher you know it just yeah. uh, you know keeps you keeps you going you know in the back of your mind you know that you've you've been through hard times and you, it's okay you can keep going even yeah. when you're tired and even when it hurts and you can keep going definitely tell me about your own dojo how did that uh, come to come to pass mm, it's quite a big undertaking on its own i always want oh, i didn't always want it i shouldn't say that but once i've been training for long enough you know, I had this burning desire to teach and I didn't, I never thought that when I started, I definitely, it wasn't ever in my intent. It was never my intent to open a dojo and teach. But as I progressed um, through it and I loved it so much and it became to the point where I was, I was skipping university tutorials because I just wanted to go to training. So I, I sort of gave up on uni and, and a little bit, which I don't know if that was the best decision, but hey, I, I am where I am today because of the decisions I made. But I loved it so much and then I would watch people teach and I would be, in my head, I'd be getting frustrated. I'm like, they're not explaining it properly. So I'd start putting my hand up. I knew all the answers. I knew the stuff. I was probably a brown belt at this point. Yeah. Um, so probably about four years in. And I'd put, put my hand up to ask questions, not because I wanted to know the answer, but because I thought they hadn't adequately explained it enough yeah. for the people down the back. That's when I knew I wanted to teach. Um, and then a position became available to teach a beginner's class. Um, I started teaching and about two weeks later I went to the nationals and competed and I got my forearm broken um, 
by blocking a kick. Yeah. My forearm got broken and then, yeah, that was that was painful. I had to nurse it all the way back to Melbourne before I had it looked at. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, I was teaching with a cast for the first few for the first few weeks or six weeks or something before the cast got taken off. Yeah. Um. So that was the start of my teaching career. Um. And I, but I loved it. I had a little book I used to write in on the train on the way home because back then I was teaching in the city um, and living out in Eltham. So I was catching the train home and writing in my little notebook, which I still have today, about the classes that I did. And I was just ex- really excited about teaching. And then that was only teaching, you know, in, in my instructor's academy at that point. Um, and then I actually applied for a job overseas in Japan. I was going to go to Japan and teach English um that was what I wanted to do and then my instructor came to me one day and said are you really going to leave and I said yes just got to organize my visa I'm going and he he was like well I'm going to offer you this position do you want it do you want to take this job wow what a life choice and in my mind it was a romantic idea yeah owning my own dojo I was thought I was going to be like Mr Miyagi and have this beautiful Japanese garden and I was gonna and I was it was gonna be beautiful and I was just gonna do what I loved every day and it was gonna be amazing. And like I said, that's a romantic idea. Yeah. Um I took the opportunity though. Um I started teaching for him full time in the city and I started managing the Eltham Martial Arts Academy myself. Yeah. So that was mine. How did they take it? I mean you you came there as a black belt, as a woman. How how did they take it? The fact that I was a woman had nothing to do with the way they took it. I don't feel that ever was an issue. Um, I'm happy with that. That's mm, good. I've never felt like that was an issue. Yeah. But the problem with it was when I first started teaching at the Eltham Dojo was that there were others who were senior to me um, that probably should have been teaching, but they couldn't in that time take the responsibility of managing and, and doing all the classes. So that was given to me, and that put a few noses at a joint. Basically, um, just the ego coming up. It's it's not just ego because it is part of the culture and part of the hierarchy. Yeah, like the one with the highest dam we're supposed mm. to be teaching. Whereas... So it's it's not it's not mm. just ego. Although I'm going to say yes. Yeah. But it was more than that. It was more. Again, it's a I'll say the phrase rite of passage because it wasn't traditionally done to have a lower rank. Should have in. gone through a certain amount of pain in order to be at the top. Yeah, but they couldn't take the position. So wherever possible, if they were there, I'd hand the class to them and just take on the management role. Um, but anyway, that ended up that most of them left, and so I was left to teach anyhow. Um, and it was great, and I sucked. I was a terrible instructor, I'm sure, yeah. for the first part of it. I probably wasn't terrible. I was passionate, so... Which is a good start. So I, mean, I gave everything, but I, it was such a learning process and you will never learn as much as you will by teaching. Um, you know, you think you know everything and that's why you're a teacher? Yeah. No. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I know that feel. You know, there's questions that I wasn't prepared for and there was, you know, just things that I thought would work that didn't work and uh, manage, management of different personalities and abilities and all that within the class and that's all a big part of it and you don't know how much you don't know until people start asking you those difficult questions so teaching was a huge learning curve and anyway there was a fire in that dojo so it wasn't mine then it was just I was managing it for somebody else my instructor yeah. and then there was a fire um, 
and as we were cleaning up the walls and trying to wipe down everything to move back in, um, my instructor said, listen, I don't think I'm going to do this. I don't think it's viable. I think I'm just going to close. Do you want it? Wow. And I said, <laughs> yes. Can you imagine how you felt back then, huh? Yes, I want it. Romantic idea would have yep. been given to you on a platter? Sort of. It was I wasn't given anything other than the dojo name and some students that might hang around. Yeah. Um, so I said, yes, I'll, I want it. I'm going to open up. So I had to find a new venue. I couldn't stay in that venue because I just couldn't afford it. I didn't have anything put behind me. So I found a primary school hall not so far away. And we started there with nothing, just a wooden floor, an enthusiastic instructor with big plans and a um and still got big and plans. existing yeah, still got big plans and existing student base. So we built up. I taught at that primary school for seven years. Um we slowly grew, we got more equipment, we got some mats through a fundraiser. Everybody ran laps around an oval to make money for that. <laughs> um we had the mats on the floor. I remember setting them up and putting them away every night, Yeah. loading the car, heavily pregnant, doing that as well and still teaching and then... Pregnant of your second. First. First. And then, um, yeah, in about a year or so after that, I think, after Tyler was born, we had, I had an opportunity to, to look around and say, look, I need to take this to the next level. I need a full-time place. I'm so sick of packing the car every night and I want to I wanna be able to have the place for myself. I wanted to be able to run more sessions and I couldn't hire the hall more. So anyway, yeah. needless to say, I opened up at a factory not shortly after that. And we were there for another eight years before I moved to the present day location. We've been there for three. So much bigger premises now. Wow. That's uh, quite a story you got there. Yeah, I guess so. Can you tell me about your fighting career? How did that go? Because you've had a lot of fights. I've had a lot of fights. Um, I think it was cut short by, uh, well, the children. Makes sense. I mean. Yeah. So I think I, I don't really think I was finished with my with my fighting. I feel like I was just getting good, just getting to my prime before I had my first child. And then I went back again and fought after I had her. First fight back after that was too early. I wasn't physically prepared um, for that. And I lost just, but I lost um, that fight um, and tried to get back into it again. And just as I was training to fight again, I got pregnant with the second. So every time I got, every time I was training to fight, I just seemed to get pregnant. I'm not sure if there's a link there, so be careful. But, uh, um, and then, so I had my second, went back to teaching Um I had the third child and I fought again after having my third, went back in. It was Kyokushin then, went back and did another karate fight. Um, and I was a bit worried. I didn't know whether I'd still have the fire. Um, but it was good. Did that. And then I haven't I haven't really done too much fighting since then. I, I did a lot. I remember when I first wanted to fight, um, I asked my instructor, can I – can I do the full contact? Because we have non-contact as well um, in karate, um, which some people don't really like. I like it because I think it teaches speed um, and it's head punches in karate. I don't know if you know in our style of karate, we don't do head punches because we fight bare fist. We fight with no padding. Um, 
So the head punches aren't allowed because you can imagine what that would be like. Yeah. But course. we can kick to the head. You can knock out. Um, so. So not punching to the head, but kicking to the head is allowed. Yes. It's Interesting. Not, it's a lot harder to kick someone to the head. The chances Definitely. of happening. And yeah. usually once you kick to the head, the fight's over. Where yeah. You know with punching, being punched in the face, bare fists will just open up faces and there'll just be blood everywhere. Brain trauma. Yeah. Continual being punched in the face with no gloves is, is not ideal. So, you know, that's it's taken away. But um, so I had been doing the non-contact and I wanted, I was a green belt then and I wanted to fight full contact. I just, I just felt like it was our style and that's what you should do. And so I approached my instructor at the time, my sensei, and said, listen, I want to do the full contact. And he kind of he, he kind of smirked a little bit. And then he said, um, my, my, my young girl, I don't think you're ready. And he said, I don't, think, I don't think you're ready. And there's no division for you because you're too small. <laughs> there was never something you should tell you. Or should, well, there was you. no division for me. So I had to fight higher. Yeah. Um, I, I think I told you before, I was only like about 49 kilos. And I think back then the, the lightweight division was under 65. So 49 against 64 is yeah considerable. Yeah. So it makes a big difference. Um, I did end up getting some fights. Some tournaments there were divisions where they had like under 57 kilos. Um, sometimes if we were lucky, if it was a big tournament um, or if it was a one match. So if it was like, you know, they just organized fighters to fight each other for one one match. Then I got matched up a lot more closely. But often I found myself fighting much bigger girls. Um, so that was a real challenge for me. Um, but I did okay. I, I've come away with some good results and 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 had a and had a reasonable. Well, I don't even know if you'll call it a career, but I had a a good stint in in the fight world. We'll see. So we've already mentioned a lot of things you've done throughout your life, but there's one thing I want to talk about as well. Your book, or your books even. <laughs> Which one do you want to talk about first? Your child's book or... No, we'll talk about the other one first. Okay, tell me. Mother, lover, woman, warrior. That's the one. Yeah. So, how did it came to be? and what, What's the message you want to share with the world? Well, it came to be because I was teaching a lot of women clients um personal training wise um i mean i teach women clients in my karate class strangely enough i have more men than women yeah i would have thought being a female instructor that i would have had a lot more female clientele what do you think that is whether that's just the nature of the sport and who wants to be involved or whether it's because i actually think that women like training with male instructors not the other way around yeah um whether that's got something to do with it i don't know um, I don't know, but it was a surprise to me. But anyway, um, I also with the clients that I had, that I did have, I felt like I was having a lot of the same conversations, um, all the information that I was giving them was similar and not that I didn't like repeating myself, but I just felt like, Hey, there's something here. There's, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. There's something here that people want to know or need to hear. And so I originally it's my idea was it, I was going to create a workbook for my clients. It was going to be a workbook and small ish and just have some of the basic stuff in there. Um, and I found that when I spoke to them in facts, it wasn't as good as when I related my own personal story. It had more weight or how more they listened more or they heard more. They knew where you were coming from. They could relate yeah. better. Yeah. So when I told them my personal stories, it just felt like it had more impact. 
Um, and so the idea became a book title actually before anything. I had the book title in my head um, many months before I wrote the book. Um, and so the yeah, the idea grew because I just thought, well, as a woman, we have all these roles in our lives we need to play. We need to be a mother if that's where we are in our life and you know, we have to be a lover. We need a partner. We need to be that person too. That's one role that we have to play. Um, there are certain things expected of us as women. And then I like the fact that we can be warriors too and strong. And that definitely came from the martial arts side. Um, without my martial arts, there'd be no warrior chapter in that book. So it makes you make you very actionable. I mean, clearly from everything you've done in your life, it shows that you have the power of action, right? Yeah, I guess so. But, um, yeah, so I was about to turn 40 at that time and uh, I got given a lot of not a lot of money. I got given some money by all my students and friends. Um, they all put together. I had a party, dress-up party, and they. it happened to be the 21st year of martial that I was involved in martial arts Yeah. that particular year. So I advertised it as my 21st birthday. My 21st party, I should say, not my 21st birthday, my yeah. 21st party. Yeah. So at my 21st party, <laughs> they helped put together some cash and I thought, what am I going to do with this cash? Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I've got this book idea. Maybe I should invest this money and do something real with it. Um, so I started looking around and my idea was I was going to take myself away on a weekend holiday near the beach, near the ocean. I was going to get great accommodation and I was going to write this book. So I started looking online um, for accommodation and I just went, you know what, I'm going to spend all this money on accommodation and I don't know how to write a book. So I kind of wiped that idea but I was on on social media and I scrolled through and I saw this advertisement for something called the 48-hour author and I went, whoa, that's kind of, that's kind of, what do you call it? I don't know. A manifestation. Well, either a manifestation or a coincidence, but yeah. whatever it is, I thought, well, that's I can't overlook that. That's that's too strong a message. Yeah. And so I need to take it. So I clicked on the link and I looked, um, and it was a, an offer for a one-day event to go and look and find out about it. Um, I was reluctant to give out my credit card details online at that point. So I I caught I messaged the lady. It turns out she was she turns out she was local. So. Um, I went to that and never looked back. The book became, well, the book was difficult because I had to find this money that I didn't have. I had to find this money that I didn't have. And, um, I was scared actually. I was really afraid that I would, it wouldn't eventuate. And even if it did, it wouldn't be good and nobody would want to read it. So it's a real thought, of course, if you still did it. Of course, because I wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah the book the book became the book is the book is published and um the funny thing is the book you know the 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 lady who runs the program says that um you know the book is you don't make money off books the books aren't but it's the person you become writing the book yeah it's important and i believe that 100 because after i wrote the book My dojo, which was struggling at the time, suddenly started to pick up. Um, things started to change. Yeah, you walked the road. You weren't thinking about where you were going. As you walked the road, and via doing that, you learned. Yeah, I think I think it is that, but it's also some level of confidence within yourself and belief yeah. that come from achieving something that you thought that you couldn't do and you did. 
Yeah. So Ma that, it made you more whole, made you uh, more stronger. Yeah. Mentally. More mentally stronger. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that, that was good. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> okay. So let's say someone is listening right now. thinks, Hey, that's interesting. Why would uh, someone want to read your book? What do they get out of it? My book is, uh, my book, the feedback that I've gotten, because it got into the hands of a lot of people in my martial arts community. You know, lots of my students have read it. Lots of people that I know um, have read it. It's been shipped overseas a little bit as well through people that I know uh, through the community, but mostly online. I don't know them in person. Yeah. Um, I had a few, I had a book launch. It was in the local bookshop for a bit, so it has gotten into some hands that I don't know, but majority of the people I've heard back from, so that's been good. Um, even men, which I thought wouldn't be interested in my book, yeah. the men in the martial arts have, have read it and said that it was great because it gave them some insight into their female students, um, which has been really good. And I think what it is is it's, I don't know, I guess it's a personal account from a mother, someone that they can relate to, um, who's still very active. Yeah, um, that it's possible to be all those things. It's possible to be all those things. You can't do them all perfectly, but you can do them all. Yeah, at um, least you're trying. Well, the tagline of my book is embracing perfect imperfection. So, mm. um, you know, like you can't you can't give 100% across all those areas all the time, but you can give what you can give to each and still, still obtain a reasonable <laughs> result. Um, the book is an easy read, which I don't want to – I'm not trying to belittle the book. Um, it's not it's not complicated. And I think what I found was as I was going through my journey and I'd read a lot of books or I'd been to seminars and self-help workshops and stuff like that was the information was difficult to implement. Yeah. So you get this big book, you're already, you're already having problems, right? You're already having problems. If you weren't, well, not having problems, but you already had something in your life that you wanted to rectify. And so you get this big book and it seems like it's a challenge just to read it. Yeah. And I didn't want mine to be like that because I felt like the people that needed it needed it to be actionable and they needed it to be non-complicated. Yeah. And so my book is very simple, I think. Um, it's easy to read. It's not a very long book. It's not daunting. It's very relatable. Um, but there are actionable things in there and, and stuff that I think people can pick up very easily and take away and use. Okay. And well, what I hear from you, you're very actionable. So after having talked about your book, can you tell me about your future plans? What's, what's, what's on, uh, on the plan for now? <laughs> Where do you want to go? Look, I, I really just, you know, the, the COVID-19 thing has been a big no, issue. It has, has had a big impact on the business. Yeah. It was forced to close. We were one of the first businesses to be forced to close. Um, during that time, I've had to, you know, had some time for introspection and looking at myself and and stuff like that. And I've sort of been doing as much as humanly possible to keep the dojo community alive. Um, I've been really lucky in the respect that the dojo, the community that we have is more like a family and lots of them are still committed to being paying fees, not everybody, but a few, which has been great because it just meant that I can still survive um, during that time. So I, I felt like I owed it to them too to be very active during that time um, and keep the community together as much as possible and to be still inspire people to want to be active and train during that time. So I did as much as I can and I've really enjoyed getting outdoors um, 
And at first it was really difficult and I hated it, um, the change, but then I become to embrace the change. Um, and that's strong. That's good. Yeah. Well, you don't really have a choice. Well, you do have a choice. Yeah, but so you, 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 you take it. Yeah. I mean, if something changes that you're not very happy about, you can fret about it and you can make it ruin your life. Oh, well, I certainly fretted about it, but I just decided that. Do something about do it. Do something about take it. Take action. Yeah, strong. Yeah. So, the, you know, the training was important for me mentally. It was important that I got out there and trained. I was probably training more than ever. I was training more for myself than I was before the lockdown. Um, got some time off as well, right? It, yeah, got some time off, hmm. which was good. Um, not good and not good, but um, definitely there were some positives to come out of it. Yeah. And so for me, it's made me question, you know, my why a lot. And I know, I know that I want the dojo. The dojo and the family that I have there is really important to me. Um, that's something I want to strive, but there does need to be some changes. Um, because I was very committed in the fact that everything everything came second to the dojo. Myself, my own personal health often came second, um, as well as my kids and time and stuff like that. So it does need to be some changes, but... I want the dojo to continue to grow. I want it to become this romantic idea that I had in the beginning, you know, where I got to enjoy it more rather than uh, sometimes it felt like I was forcing myself on the mats at the, some days. Um, I always wanted to be there. Don't, yeah. I don't want to make it sound like I never wanted to be there, but there's definitely times when I was physically, emotionally exhausted and I still had to walk on the mats and be inspirational and energetic. Um, so I need to find a way to get some more, I hate the phrase work-life balance. I hate it. But <laughs> I need to find a way to make it yeah, more doable for me. Um, the online stuff that I've been doing while lockdown was in place has been really cool. I've really enjoyed it, actually. And the, the videos have sometimes got, you know, one video got shared to an international page and got 5,000 views, and that, for me, was really exciting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're doing an online video workout and someone from South Africa is logging in <laughs> um, to watch you and train with you, it's, like, so cool. Yeah. Um, and there's been opportunities for everybody because so much, so many people have been putting out so much free stuff. And, you know, I did a seminar with the head instructor of our organization in Japan, uh, the country uh, there, and that was, you know, that's something that's not possible normally. So definitely be some positives to come out of it. But because I've really enjoyed the online stuff at the moment, um, well, you know, but I haven't really told anyone else that I'm trying to work on producing an app, a training app. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'd love to get into because I've just had such a good response from the online training that I think that's, that's possibly the next step for me. I have another book that I've written as well that's not published yet. Yeah. Um, that's a kid's book uh, talking about why martial arts is great for kids which it is, I have to say. Well, you know, uh, it's great for dealing with bullying, but not not because they can learn to fight. That's not it. That I would like to go in on that. Like, we, we shouldn't keep it for too long. Mm. But tell me, your, your kids do martial arts too. Can you tell me how that has affected their lives? Well, well they've grown up at the dojo, basically. So they're very social. Yeah. Um, they're good at communi communicating with all different people of all different ages and stuff just because they've grown up in this massive family yeah. you know of, of of people um and that's great the martial arts is good because there's so many lessons in there they learn how to lose it's so important yeah they learn how to lose don't ever shelter your children from losing 
Yeah. You know, such a huge thing to know that it's okay to lose and still keep going and just get better and use it as a, a as a positive thing rather than as a negative thing. Um, you know, they're they're strong, they're mentally strong. They're also physical, like they all move really well. Yeah. Um they I mean they still complain about training, but they do love it. I know I they mean, do. That's that's children for you. Yeah. Of I mean, you can't take that away fully. No, but they're 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 definitely physically capable and um, you know, the fact that they're they're on the mats instead of behind a device or behind a computer every night, um, when we're actively training at the dojo, um, is great. I'm more than happy for them to be able to do that. And Tyla, your mm. daughter, she's fourteen now, isn't mm-hmm. she? I mean, for most teenage girls it's weird to fight. I mean, it's not something you do. How do you feel that her being able to fight has changed changed her life? Is she different than other classmates or? I don't know if she's different from other classmates, but there was an issue early on in when she first started high school with a boy sort of giving her a bit of a hard time. Yeah. We would take the opportunity whenever she went to her locker to hit her in the head with a bag or knock her around a bit. And I told her, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And she kind of said, oh, there's not much I can do. I'll get in trouble. I said, just get in trouble. Yeah. Just protect yourself. And if you get in trouble, deal with it, but deal with yeah. the issue first. Yeah. Um. So... I said, don't punch him in the face, but whatever else is okay. <laughs> so she did. She gave him a good old sh- shove back into the locker Yeah. one day. And he stopped or did and he? I think she punched him as well in the guts. Yeah. And um, she'd warned, well, I shouldn't say she just went up to him and belted him. Yeah. The next time he did it to her, she said, you need to stop that or I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And he sort of said, well, what are you going to do about it type thing? And so she gave him a good old shove into the locker, give him one in the guts and she said, I don't want to keep doing this, but this is ridiculous. This yeah. needs to stop. Um, and eventually they worked it out. So, But do you think the fact that she didn't uh, right away was the aggressor, that she got that from martial arts? I mean, she had, the, she had the opportunity, she had the power to hit and kick, but she didn't right away. She didn't want to. She didn't want why, to Why right didn't away. she want to? I, I think she thought that she had a responsibility not to. Yeah. Um, and she felt like she couldn't. That she shouldn't use her martial arts in that way. Yeah, but she was able to. She was able to, and she's not. She wasn't crying. She she was used to physical confrontation, so I guess she handled the situation a bit better because she was used to physical confrontation. Yeah. Um, she wasn't so much afraid, but she was upset that it was happening. And of course, I mean, you she... don't want to hit anyone without a good reason. Hmm. But she sorted the problem out, so that's that's good. Okay. Hey, uh, before we close off this podcast, is there anything you would like to say? Maybe to people listening, especially maybe women listening, of martial arts or anything you would like to talk about? I think I talked too much already, but um, I guess for me, like my 